Midwife calling. Hello, and welcome to Poplar Opinion, a Call the Midwife podcast. Where we are watching every episode of Call the Midwife, one by one, without spoilers. Uh, I'm Jan Moffat. I'm Dr. Paul Moffat. Not that kind of doctor. And this week we watched, and we'll be talking about, the eighth episode of the second season, the eighth and final episode of the second season of Call the Midwife. This episode was directed by Minky Spiro and written by Heidi Thomas. Heidi Thomas created the show and has written several individual episodes. Minky Spiro, this is her second episode. Uh, She directed the last episode, episode seven. All right. We're uh, finishing up season two here, or series two, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) And uh, so we'll be taking a short break in between seasons. Mm -hmm. If you would like to have your birth story submitted for our listeners to listen to, please do so as soon as possible or, you know, whenever you're listening to this. (laughs) (laughs) As soon as possible or as slowly as possible. Either one's kind of okay. Yeah. So we'll either, if people, if we have some people who submit some stories, we'll have some stories between seasons. If not, we'll take a couple of weeks off between the seasons. And then we'll start into season three, starting with the Christmas special, and then going all the way through season three. So, all that being said, let's get into the recap for this episode. Chur Jenny narrates about life being good at Nanatus, as Cynthia and Chummy and Jenny wash baby clothes for Chummy. Timothy gets a letter from Sister Bernadette, but Dr. Turner does not. Fred's daughter, Dolly, arrives, pregnant with child number two. The midwives discuss Chummy's impending baby, while Peter struggles with living in a convent. Jimmy shows up with his friend, Alex, taking photos for the city council. Jimmy gushes about his new daughter and tells Jenny to find happiness. Sister Bernadette is now allowed to leave the sanatorium, but asks for clothes so she can stop wearing her habit. Sister Julienne breaks the news over lunch to everyone's sadness. Sister Evangelina brings out Sister Bernadette's clothes, and her and Sister Julienne discuss her departure. Dolly and Fred reminisce about her mother, and Fred struggles to bond with his grandson. Dolly visits her dad at, at Cubs, and Chummy notices her swollen ankles. She performs some tests to find out she has preeclampsia. Dolly leaves Antony, her son, with Fred and goes on bed rest. Chummy takes care of Dolly in the maternity home. <sighs> so, I mean, the like, <laughs> sometimes the foreshadowing is like not subtle. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's meant to be subtle, but the opening is like, everything was great. If there were storm clouds, we didn't see them, but there were storm clouds. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. It's true. It's a little, maybe a little heavy-handed. I kind of love it, though. Yeah. Um, And then, like, do you want to start with just Chummy and Peter and living in the convent? And, like... Well, I mean, I love the moment where Cynthia's like, the buttons on these sweaters were on my mother's <laughs> wedding dress. Well, Chummy crunches them through the ringer washer. Yeah. And, and she's just like, you shouldn't trust me with things. <laughs> and then Peter is trying to use the bathroom and Sister Evangelina is in there and uh, tells him not to leave the toilet seat up in a hilarious way. <laughs> I, the like... I love uh, Peter coming in and Trixie wearing her, like, mud mask, hiding around the corner and, like, I can't let Peter see me in my mask. And then Sister Evangelina being like, the great silence is in 30 seconds, so I can tell you off. And then, shh, silence. You cannot retort. It's all, this whole opening is 
I think really good, really funny. I don't know. I was thinking about like some of the episodes we've talked about this season and this show have had like tight thematic centers where like Mm -hmm. this episode is about uh, belonging and everything is about belonging. I don't know that this episode, if this episode has a tight thematic center, I don't, I haven't found it. Things that like the crushing of the buttons and the they're living in the wrong place. Do you have an idea? I feel like it's a sense of things falling apart. The crushing of the buttons, Sister Bernadette leaving the nunnery, Dolly not feeling at home in her old neighborhood. We have Jenny not feeling at home in her own self, basically. It's a lot of, like, disconnection. It's, uh, it's, it's loose foundation. That's, I feel Mm. like, the theme of this is, like, there's a loose foundation. This Nanata's house is going to be demolished, and none of them know that yet, but it's kind of leading to that, this, like, uncertainty of, of, like, I don't know where we're living. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why my grandson doesn't have my name. I don't know why... I, I don't want to be a nun anymore. I don't know why she we, won't tell me she wants doesn't want to be a nun anymore. All these things. We start the episode with even things that seem firm foundations crumble, and that's the buttons. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I like it. Mm-hmm. And then, like, oh, good, Jimmy is back. Paul's <laughs> well, so excited because <laughs> Jimmy's back. I don't know um, if Jimmy has earned any more the, like, he's fine in this episode, basically. fine, but kind of smug. Yeah. And kind of like, everything seems to have turned out fine with this woman I married. I love my daughter, which is great. Jenny, you need to find happiness. You are clearly unhappy. You need to find a man. When will you be as happy as I am? Exactly. Like, like, you... Yeah, yeah. Frustrated with that. He's He's always kind of smug. Exactly. He's not wrong entirely. Like, Jenny isn't moving on from things. But I do find it like... She is happy in her nursing. And so he comes along and is like, but you don't have a man. He doesn't, he doesn't ever say those words. He never, ever makes that explicit. But I feel like it's just below the surface. Yeah. This and idea I, of she's not happy because she's not dating someone. Here's a question. You say, and I agree with you, but what did, can you uh, flesh out a bit? He's right that she's not happy. Because she says she is. I agree with you that she's kind of fronting. But why do you think that? She just has a sense about her that doesn't seem settled or happy. When Alec asks her out and flirts with her, she kind of flirts back and then just like cuts him off because, oh no, I have work. Work is more important. But she's not having fun. Yeah. And yeah, it just seems like things are still weighing on her. And so it doesn't seem like she's fully happy where she is. And to me, it's partly in this episode, in this interaction, partly it's that she's not happy to see Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And like, he's her old childhood friend. And if she's not happy to see him, it's because when he has found happiness and contentment in his life, like he's kind of smug and I'm not happy to see him. But if she's not happy to see him, it is a sign that like, she's yeah. not happy with him seeing her. Yeah. She's not happy with being seen, being connected again to that past. That, Mm -hmm. like, well, why not? Because she's dissatisfied with it somehow. Yeah. But he basically, yeah, you're right, though. He basically says, you have to fall in love, Jenny. It is required. Like, go away. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But speaking of falling in love, Dr. Turner finally gets some word from Sister Bernadette. She's kind of cruel in that she writes to Timothy and she's like, I will write to you. Let your father know. Thank you. And I'll write to him in due course. And Timothy's all, what does due course mean? He's like, it means eventually. <laughs> like, 
he's like, I don't know what it means. It means she's stringing me along some more. I love, sometimes it means soon. Sometimes it means not soon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but he does get some hope in that she's thinking of him. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have nuns and midwives talking about Sister Bernadette mm-hmm. and her leaving. Yeah. And Cynthia, I feel like, is most upset. Yeah, she's like, why, when she's dedicated her life, why would she change it? Yeah. And it like, just like Jenny being unhappy with Jimmy is like a sign that there's something underneath there. Mm-hmm. I feel like Cynthia being like, why would you change anything once you have devoted your life? Is like, yeah. oh, Cynthia, do you need to change your life? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I think that Cynthia is very respectful of the religious life in a way that Trixie and Jenny aren't. Mm -hmm. I think of the four midwives, uh, Chummy and Cynthia are much more religious than Jenny and Trixie. Yeah. And so Cynthia is, is shocked that someone would stop being a nun i mean it's shocking in general it's it that's is. always a shocking thing especially because uh sound of music hadn't come out yet so like <laughs> <laughs> so no one had even, so no heard, one even of heard of nuns falling in love and leaving the nunnery no i have no idea how common that was but it is it is shocking and it's sad and i mean and none of them know like, she's been their kind of mentor, their supervisor, their yeah. friend, all these things. And for her to not, to leave being a nun seems to be leaving Nanatis. Yeah, and like, they don't is know. Is she going to come And we back? don't know. We don't know. Like, no, whether she's going to be connected to this back. show, <laughs> to this world. Exactly. In the future. Like. Sister Monica Joan quotes uh, Gerard Manley Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Who you know. Uh, you love so much. I love. He's my favorite. Um, and the poem that she quotes is called A Nun Takes the Veil. Hmm. Or it's called Heaven Haven. A Nun Takes the Veil. It says, I have desired to go where springs not fail, to fields where flies no sharp and sided hail, and a few lilies blow. And I have asked to be where no storms come. Where the green swell is in the havens dumb and out of the swing of the sea. Hmm. And uh, Sister Monica Joan says, and yet hail does fall. <laughs> the, the desire that that poem articulates, that Sister Monica Joan articulates, that she speculates is what motivated Sister Bernadette mm-hmm. and Sister Julianne kind of shuts her down. But... She speculates that what draws people to uh, religious life is like peace and serenity to go where there's no hail and no out of the swing of the sea. Mm -hmm. And that maybe she found that there still is hail and the swing of the sea. Yeah. She says, by the way, that Gerard Manley Hopkins was not a professed religious. Uh that means he wasn't a monk, mm-hmm. but he was a Jesuit priest. Mm-hmm. So, like, it is a bit splitting hairs. Yeah, to call him not religious. That he like a religious is like a profession. Mm-hmm. That's she's not saying he wasn't religious. She's saying he wasn't a religious. Is what she says. Mm. But as a Jesuit priest, he was a religious. Yeah, or pretty close to it. <laughs> but they're like. Part of why I think for all of them, Sister Bernadette leaving is like, I feel like it's because at the same time they don't know why she would and also because they do know why she would. Mm -hmm. It's not like this has been a big secret. Mm -hmm. This has been coming for a long time. And I mean, Sister Monica Joan called it out and knew it from a long time ago and then midwives may be the most surprised, but they've seen her be their friend and bond with them more than the other nuns. Yeah. 
And the moment when they are with Sister Bernadette's suitcase. Mm -hmm. Sister Julianne and Sister Evangelina with Sister Bernadette's suitcase. Yeah. Sister Evangelina, see, is so heartbroken. She is. It's, it's it's, It's quite good to see. And like, it's... I feel like the actress, Pam Ferris, does such a great job in that moment of showing how, like, she's still Sister Evangelina, and she's gruff, and she's angry on some level, but she's just sad. Yeah, and I feel like a worse direction to go that would have been, like, the knee-jerk to go with that character is, like gruff and angry and who needs her yeah kind of attitude and it's so much better so much more pathos in the way that they play it in the way that they write and play it that like yeah she's sad she's they talk about it's they talk together about uh new vocations are dwindling by the year mm-hmm. and they talk about like so they talk about the religious life in general mm-hmm. and losing her as part of their family mm-hmm. and like the moment when she opens the suitcase and like she'll look dated and mm-hmm. out of place and people will stare yeah. and she's so upset she can't wear these utility shoes yeah because yeah. she likes if she's gonna leave, she should look good. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> she doesn't want her to be an oddity. She's there's so much compassion in that moment that is really uh, moving. It really is. They talk about uh, the song of Bernadette. Do you know that at all? I didn't. I didn't look it up. I forgot to. I have never. I have never heard of that movie before. But it was a 1943 Oscar-winning movie about. Basically, a, a biopic about Saint Bernadette, mm-hmm. who was a poor girl who had visions of the Virgin Mary, mm. and she uh, became a saint. Mm. <laughs> and they say, like, when she came, calling herself Sister Bernadette, Sister Evangelina thought that she was just had her head turned by some movie. Yeah, yeah. I that's that whole scene is just so. Moving to me. Mm-hmm. Me too. Um, so the other thing that happens in here is that uh, Dolly comes to visit. Dolly is Fred's daughter. He has two daughters, I believe. I don't know if we meet both of them. And his... Because his wife died in the Blitz. And yeah. so they talk about her mother. And Fred obviously feels guilty. Like she clocks his guilt right away and like you were off fighting for the country it's you know you did the right thing yeah but um she dolly has named her son anthony after their father-in-law yeah and and fred doesn't like it fred does not (laughs) like it and that's so and like he like is struggling to bond with this grandson because of his name it's so funny yeah yeah it's and hilarious. fred who we've seen be like the gentlest soul and he's this cub leader and he's just great babies are still like like this like little like one or two year old <laughs> baby is still kind of a struggle for him <laughs> he calls him little nipper and little, like he yeah. doesn't ever use his name yeah uh and it's because he expected him to be named Fred, presumably. We don't ever quite get that spelled out. Yeah. But it's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then he gets thrown in the deep end. Like so many people on this show, he gets thrown into the deep end out of necessity. So she has to go on bed rest. And he has to take care of the kid. I like Chummy taking care of Dolly. Chummy, uh recognizing that Fred needs to come and visit with, maybe that's in the next section but Fred needs to come and visit with the 
grandson so that the mother feels better. Yeah. And so she has Fred in mind and the... Yeah, she's great. Her patient in mind. She's doing such a good job. So when Chummy is treating Dolly, Mm -hmm. Dolly is scared and like has to get, I don't know, like an injection. Mm-hmm. I don't even, I wasn't even, like, the medical stuff. <laughs> I'm not that kind of doctor. She's doing something. She's on the bed and she's scared and Chummy's doing something. Mm-hmm. She, Chummy says, uh, recite Psalm 123. My uh, matron used to say, recite a line of Psalm 123 between each gasp of air. And Dolly says, I don't know Psalm 123. Well, your favorite song would be just as good. And she says, catch a falling star. I hate that song, by the way. <laughs> But uh, the Psalm 123 that she doesn't say is a night, it's an appropriate psalm for this purpose because it's really short. Yeah. It's only four verses long. And it is, To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. As the eyes of the servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so the our eyes look to the Lord our God who has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than its fill of the scorn of those who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud. I can see where someone might tell you to recite that. I can see where someone might tell you to recite that. I know. Like, I don't it's not... know if it's, that's relevant to this situation. I don't it's... know that it's relevant to this situation. I just think to tell to give you a little insight into my own character, I like... Psalm 23, a million times over catch a falling star. 123. <laughs> Psalm 123. This is really important because Psalm 23 is the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 123 is this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, that's not really important, but you know. Not those, the same thing. Those who know a psalm would likely know Psalm 23. Yes. Anyway. So let's move on to the next Kay. section here. Alec flirts with Jenny as he fixes the motor scooter, but she turns him down. Sister Julienne and Sister Evangelina find out that Nanata's house is due for demolition. Fred promises to bring Antony by the window so Dolly can see him and not stress out, and Chummy finds that she can no longer wear her girdle and is worried about the future. She worries about their lack of family and lack of support. Jenny, Jane, Cynthia, and Trixie go to a jazz club to meet up with Jimmy and Alec. Jenny is finally convinced to dance with Alec, but still doesn't want to open her heart. Jenny and Alec sit and discuss the stars, and she finds out about the demolition. Sister Bernadette calls Dr. Turner and asks if she can see him, and tells him she's getting a bus home. Dr. Turner leaves to go and find her so she doesn't have to take the bus. Jenny and Chummy deliver Dolly's baby girl, Chummy hiding the fact that she's in labor the entire time. Dr. Turner and Timothy find Sister Bernadette on the road. She reveals that her name is Sheila. Sheila signs away her life at the convent, gives back her ring, and is given 100 pounds. Sister Julienne and her and her embrace in an emotional scene. Let's talk about Jenny and Alec and the nurses yeah. first. Yeah. So she, she turns him down, and then later on, Jimmy calls and invites her to this jazz club, doesn't tell her Alec is going to be there. And, and then... he's, like, standing there listening as he's asking, which yeah. is hilariously, exactly. like... Exactly. Oh, mercy. And Jenny on the phone with... I mean, Jenny and Trixie on the phone with... Jimmy and Trixie giving Jenny all these looks of like, hello. Yep. <laughs> so funny. I love, uh, We I want to, <laughs> baby Shans lined up on the bar and a whiskey chaser for Sister Julianne. <laughs> yeah. Really. And then Bring when the they nuns. get there, there is a whiskey chaser. There is, yeah. I feel bad for Alec when he's like, if I can't ask you out, I will at least make you smile. And she's like, not today, <laughs> bike away. I'm like, on one hand... You know, she doesn't know him to smile. It's a blah, blah, blah. That's a whole thing. Yeah. You'd look prettier if you smile is a whole, like, yeah. obnoxious behavior. But on the other hand, like, come on, you're being a little unnecessarily standoffish yeah. to this poor guy who's just like, you could at least be, I don't know. 
I feel I bad do, for her. Yeah, I think that she... It's not so much that, like, she owes him anything. It's more like she was being friendly with him, but then she just, like... I think she cuts him off for no good reason. Yeah. She actually does want to yeah. flirt with him, but she's... She's like, no, she's being all Jenny about it. <laughs> she's being Jenny about it. <laughs> and then they go to the bar, and I love... Uh, Jane's fashion sense. Jane knows how to dress to a jazz club. I know! That was great! That, like, Jenny doesn't love being out in slacks, which is so funny. But, but yeah, Jane is so great. Jane coming into her own. Her progression over this season has just been beautiful to see. And this is, like, a lovely moment right here of, uh, of Jane having... So much confidence to go out to a jazz club with them. I'm like wearing a turtleneck, and I wore a turtleneck because I know what one dress is like to go yeah, to a jazz I read club. It in the it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And there really are baby shams lined up on the bar with a whiskey chaser. Yep. It is fantastic. And then uh, they, they dance a little bit, and then uh, Jenny orders new drinks, including a bitter lemon. Do you know what a bitter lemon is? No, I assumed it was like lemonade or something. But... Yeah, it's a soft drink. Yeah. So it's like the rest of them are drinking alcohol and she's drinking. It's like um, tonic water. Oh, like it's yeah, a bitter yeah. lemon. So it's got that tonicky bitterness. Right. Okay. Uh, but the point is, it's a soft drink. So yes. She's, they're yeah, all drinking alcohol and she's drinking a soft drink. Mm-hmm. And J- Jim, Jimmy is like, falling in love will free you from drinking bitter lemon. And I'm like... What if she wants to drink bitter lemon, man? Yeah, exactly. What's wrong with bitter lemon? (laughs) Maybe I have a grudge against Jimmy, but... A little, a little bit. (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) But it is like, I think, nothing is wrong with bitter lemon, but it is another sign in this moment that like the rest of them are kind of cutting loose and letting loose and enjoying their night out at the jazz club. And she's like symbolically a bitter lemon means like i am restrained i don't want to uh lose my self-control at all yeah exactly exactly that's what's wrong with a bitter lemon Mm -hmm. symbolically she does dance with him and then they go for this like they sit out and look at the stars they talk about constellations which is like that's always like a stereotype in our trope in shows where like a couple in love are like, look at the constellations. Yeah. Let's name them all together. I mean, it's it's nice. I like the conversation that they have. Me too. And the the two stars on the handle of the plow really was the eyesight test for the Roman con- constri- conscription in the Roman army. And I think that's neat. Yeah, it is neat. <laughs> I'm with him. I would bring up that fact mm-hmm. to a person because it's cool. Um, totally. The plow is the big dipper. We don't call it that in Canada. <laughs> True story. Um, and then he dro- he drops the bomb though because he doesn't realize she doesn't know about the demolition. Yeah, is that it's like oh we're surveying this for a reason. <clears throat> we're surveying this because the road's coming through here and Donata's house is being torn down. Mm-hmm. But um, by the way, on the way to dropping off that bomb. Just like they're out sitting watching the stars and then they come back and he's like, are you going to be waking up the nuns? And she's like, they're probably already awake. And it's he she's walking back with him alone, like really late mm-hmm. and early in the morning. slash early in the morning. And let's uh, assume that they just sat and looked at the stars the entire night long. Mm-hmm. It still is like from I won't even smile to you to like we spent literally all night if it's early enough that they're starting their day mm-hmm. it's like their date went well yeah and a little bit scandalously <laughs> a bit scandalously yes <laughs> coming back first thing in the morning exactly but yeah the demolition which sister julianne and sister evangelina already knew about mm-hmm. we didn't know although we could have put the pieces together yeah like they know something is up mm-hmm. and the audience doesn't know what it is until now mm-hmm. and like this is what puts the various parts of the story kind of in focus yeah. that 
the good times that they have had that are symbolized by this building, that are symbolized by the Mother of Pearl Buttons, that are symbolized by everything, by Sister Bernadette, part of the nunnery. Those are all in jeopardy. Mm -hmm. The security that the building symbolizes is, like, going away. Mm -hmm. And, like, I... I'm really upset about yeah. demolishing this building. Yeah. And this really happened. This uh, happened in London where all of these neighborhoods were these twisty, turny streets. So it would be take a very long time to get from one end of London to the other. And they installed these big highways the way you do in all sorts of cities around the world. But installing those meant they had to tear down parts of the city. And this yeah. is exactly what happened in Poplar, was that they put this big road. And like... I, you know, you can't... I think part of the point of the episode, or part of the thrust of the episode, maybe not the point, but part of the thrust of the episode is... You can't hold on to the past. Mm -hmm. Maybe you want to. Maybe it would be better if you could. But you can't. Mm -hmm. And things change and things go away. And like, there's no direction but forward. Yeah. Uh, but it's a crime. Yeah. Demolishing this building is a crime. It is sad. It's like so sad. Mm -hmm. Both for them and for me as the audience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, this is where the show's been set and I've grown to really like yeah, it. Yeah, like... What is going to happen next? And as uh, Jenny goes in after discovering that the building is being demolished, she hears the nuns singing mm, matins. Yeah. And they're singing, Come Holy Ghost, Our Souls Inspire, which we've heard them sing several times before. Mm. Which is, uh, again, I've talked about it before. It's like, seems to be part of their regular matin song. Although I don't, I mean, I, I've never been a Anglican nun, so maybe I just don't know. But it doesn't, I wouldn't have expected it to be. Mm. Because its themes are about the Holy Spirit inspiring, but it also uses language of death in surprising ways for something that you would start the day with every day. Mm. But uh, the part that we hear is, Thy blessed unction from above is comfort, life, and fire of love. Enable with perpetual light the dullness of our mortal sight. Mm. And that phrase, perpetual light, like, that's all good. Perpetual light is all good. But that specific phrase is used in funeral prayers. Mm -hmm. Let perpetual light shine upon them. Yeah. Uh so as we're hearing that the building is going to be demolished, the nuns are singing about let perpetual light shine upon us. Mm. It's uh, in the context of a comfort in the context of death, but it's in the context of death that the mm -hmm. phrase perpetual light is most strongly associated for me anyway. Mm -hmm. Speaking of nuns, let's talk about Sister Bernadette. Let's talk about Sister Bernadette. So... She calls Dr. Turner and is like, <laughs> you're making such a happy voice. She calls Dr. Turner and she's like, I'm leaving. They're, they're making me go to, to, to go to Chichester, but I'm not. I'm going to come and see you. I'm not going to Chichester. I'm not going to Chichester. She says, yeah. I know my own mind. Yeah. And so she's like, I'm going to catch a bus home. And he's like, do not catch, do not catch the bus. Do not take public transport. And, and then he has to go because Dolly's in labor. Yeah. And, uh, and then as soon as he checks on her and goes to leave, Timothy's like, can I go on your rounds with you? And he's like, I am not going on my rounds. And he arrives <laughs> off. I love when he, he gives like Timothy like chores to do. Mm hmm. And he gets in the car and Timothy's sitting there and he's like, I gave you all these chores to do. And Timothy's like, I finished and you owe me half a crown. Let's go on your rounds. So I just really like, yeah. I finished and you owe me half a crown. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing Sister Bernadette in civilian clothes. Yeah. Kind of made me want to cry. Absolutely. In like conflicting emotions. Oh, because very much. Because on one hand, like we're going to get 
happy because this is all so, like... They're finally getting together. (laughs) Frankly, cheesily, but, like, I don't mind cheesiness. Mm. It's so romantic. And they... But... And she calls and says she wants to be with him. But also the, like, her in civilian clothes is, like... She's Mm -hmm. really left behind. Yeah, this whole life. This whole life. And it, she, it, I mean, it was emotional seeing her way back in, like, season one without her habit on. Yeah. Uh, Without her, like, just seeing her hair. (laughs) And this is, it made, was really affecting, surprisingly, since yeah. it's not the first time we've seen her not entirely in her habit, and we knew it was coming and whatever, yeah. but, like, seeing her in totally civilian clothes, she looks so different. So different. And so, like, she has really said goodbye to something mm-hmm. that was meaningful and important. Yeah. And it's bittersweet. Absolutely. And before we get ahead to her really saying goodbye, I want to mention that... Uh, recently, there were uh, some live chats with the actors of Call the Midwife on Facebook. This was kind of earlier during COVID times when everyone was trying to produce <laughs> online content. Um, and they talked about this scene. And originally, this scene was going to be filmed, you know, on a sunny, nice day. Like, it was, but you can't plan for the weather. And it turned out to be this very foggy day. And it's... I can't imagine it any other way. Mm-hmm. Her, like, st- coming out of the fog on this kind of very closed-in but country street. Yeah. You know, there it's country, but it's also very claustrophobic and there's nothing but them. Yeah. The fog just there, makes it, it yeah. what you just said. They're the only people in the world, like symbolically and in terms of the imagery, they are literally the, seem like they're the only people on earth. Mm -hmm. It's quite a powerful moment. I love backing up like 30 seconds that uh, when Timothy and Dr. Turner get in the car to drive off and Timothy is like, if I see her, shall I shout? Mm -hmm. Shall I shout? Stop, Sister Bernadette! (laughs) I don't know, that's so good. I I love how much Timothy loves her and wants them to be together and is this sweet little innocent. Like, it's important that Timothy is there for this scene because Sister Bernadette is not only uh, going to be in a relationship with Dr. Turner, she's very much been in a relationship with Timmy, Timmy, Timothy, all along, and... This is kind of a coming together. This is making a new family. Yeah. And he needs to be there. Yeah. Like, he needs to be there when he goes to... When Dr. Turner goes to get her. He's part of this, too. Yeah, exactly. And I... You know, I've seen this a couple of times. We're no spoilery, but I've seen it before. But I'd forgotten how much Timothy is involved from the very beginning. Yeah, exactly. But, like, it isn't just after she and... Uh, Dr. Turner get together oh you have a son too like her relationship with him starts at the same time Mm -hmm. maybe arguably a little before it's hard to know when her relationship with Dr. Turner starts Mm -hmm. because it's all so furtive and glancy and feelings that are felt but not expressed (laughs) I and part of the reason, let me just spell it out too, of why that's so important is because he's lost his mother. Yeah. And so this is, uh, both of them are still mourning. Like it's, it's talked about like it's been a year since, this is the first year that we've celebrated like Christmas since she died. Right. And so it's been about a year or maybe a little over by this point, but that is so fresh, especially for a child. And so for him to have this new mother figure so accepted. Yeah. That, like, it's the ideal situation of you win over the child and the parent at the same time, or even the child first. So, like, he's, Timothy's rooting for them from the start. Hmm. Which is so sweet. When they see her in the fog, Timothy says, 
there's a woman in the wrong clothes. The wrong I clothes. think it's her. And I'm like, shut your judgy mouth, Timothy. But still. He means like, the wrong clothes. She's not in her habit. That's what I thought. No, I think he means what Sister Evangelina said. She's wearing dated clothing. Oh. I'm going to stare. She's in the wrong clothes. I really thought it's... No, maybe you're right. She's not in the habit. <laughs> I thought he was just a little fashionista being like, she's in the wrong clothes. Her clothes are so 1940s. <laughs> so 1930s. No, she's not in a habit. He's yeah. never seen her in the habit. wrong clothes. I think it's her. Oh. Um, and she reveals that her name is Sheila. And so, like, we're spo- spoiler free, so we haven't had a chance to. But, of course, she is Sheila from now on. It was hard calling her Sister Bernadette this whole time. I'm going to be honest. Because, to me, she's always been she's Or been she's Sheila. been Sheila for a long time. She's been Sheila for so long. Oh, it is such a world. moment. They're like two-part moment of like wait sister bernadette i don't answer to that name anymore and then they get interrupted and hung up and he's like i want to marry you i have no doubt i don't know your name yeah that is a big thing (laughs) she's like i'm sheila The, the like what if you'd got lost what if it had rained? And she said, and he gives her his coat, and she yeah. says, "I did get lost." And he says, "I was on the right road." Yeah, I mean, it's all big, a big metaphor. <laughs> it's all like, uh, you know, it's maybe a little much, but it's also like he was on the right road, and she was there, lost in the fog, and he found her, and now they know each other. <laughs> They're, like, going to get married and they have, like, barely held hands. It was the 50s. Barely that's what happened. <laughs> Not really. She's a nun. Um, so let's move on from this beautiful, like, love scene to she goes to Nanata's house to Sister Julianne and she signs papers to quit being a nun. Yeah. And Sister Julianne gives her a hundred pounds. She doesn't want it, but she's like, there are rules there. You know, there are procedures to follow. Yeah. This isn't, you know, obviously this is not the first time this has happened. There are procedures to follow. It's like, you got your clothes back. A hundred pounds has been kept in trust for you. Here it is. Sign this paper. You're, she gives her ring back. Yeah. It's like a divorce. Yeah. And the moment when she's gone, done all of that, she doesn't want to sign the pip. She doesn't want to do anything. Mm-hmm. But, like, you have to do things the right way. And then when she's leaving and Sister Julianne says, "My goodbye, my good friend. My dear good friend. My dear good friend. And it's beautiful, but she's not calling her her sister. Yeah. She's called her sister, always. Mm-hmm. And my dear good friend is good, but it's not the same as sister. No, it isn't. And it's like the sweet and the bittersweet. Like, exactly. it is so bittersweet. Mm-hmm. That, like, I cheer for uh, Sheila and Dr. Turner, but I, like, mourn with Sister Julianne for Sister Bernadette. Mm-hmm. Who's gone. Yep. It is. She changes her name and her clothes and she is not Sister Bernadette anymore. And, like, it really is a loss. Mm-hmm. So, last, before we move on to the next part, uh, lastly is Jenny and Chummy deliver Dolly's baby. Mm-hmm. They work together and Chummy keeps, like, wincing and is clearly in labor <laughs> so like chummy who are you fooling yeah exactly oh man i don't know necessarily that she's hiding it like yeah. jenny knows and she knows that jenny knows but <sighs> it's that like this has to get done before i can have a baby of my own so we just need to finish up with dolly here and then when we start i mean you said lastly they deliver the baby but your recap started way back when uh Chummy is takes off her girdle. She doesn't. Right. The girdle doesn't yeah. fit anymore. And I'm like, on one hand, I'm like, Chummy, you should know better. A girdle cannot be good for you when you're like nine months pregnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the moment 
the like it's support it's support it's not like a. Like uh, the, it's not well, like a. It's not like the other woman who was wearing like the okay. tank turtle. It's like a support. But it is also like it's symbolic as well mm. as literal. It's like the thing that enabled her to continue working, and now she can't. And it's not just uh, that she can't because she's gonna have like it's not just a short term change. Yeah. It's symbolic of like her life up till now is changing, mm-hmm. and that is. In, there's this parallel to her and sister Bernadette that it's bittersweet. Mm-hmm. That like having a baby is bittersweet, not yeah. just sweet. Uh, and, and she's having a hard time because of her lack of family around because they don't have a house yet. Mm-hmm. They're painting this crib and she's like, my mom isn't going to come and change nappies and teach yeah. me how to be a mom. And all the nursery rhymes I know are in Hindi. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with Peter. Sounds good. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But like, they're saying goodbye to a kind of life that they have known and hello to one that they are not prepared for. Mm -hmm. And we, that's always true. You're never prepared no matter how you think you are. Yeah. We've seen that play out dramatically in different ways on this show. But with Chummy, it's like, because we've known her for so long with one kind of life. And then... The future is so uncertain. Mm-hmm. And it's like the future is uncertain for all of us always. But they don't have a place to live. They don't have any family, any support. She's isol- She feels isolated and she feels alone and unprepared. And then here when she keeps working through her labor, it's like that idea coming up again. Like mm-hmm. it's partly she wants to be helpful and she's a good midwife and nurse and has been a good midwife and nurse to Dolly and she wants to stay there and keep doing it. But it's also like she doesn't want to let go to what's happening right now and trade it for what's going to happen next. Yeah. And then after she, she, and then the thing about names, I didn't really think of it till now, but the Fred's fixation on names and Sister Bernadette and Sheila changing her name. Mm-hmm. There's maybe like, there's maybe a connection and there. Know what they're gonna name? Chummy doesn't have a name yet. for their baby. But Chummy goes and talks to Fred about like her fears because mm-hmm. Fred is the best. And he says something that I think is one of the like uh, hook lines of the series. Uh, he get, tells his story about wanting to do better for his kids than he had himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some, and he tried and then he was away at war. And that's what being a parent is. Proximity. Mm-hmm. And like, I, it is such tr- good and true advice mm-hmm. that like, the best thing, not even the best thing, like, what makes a parent, he tells her, is proximity. Mm-hmm. So moving on to our last section here. Chummy labors with all the midwives helping her. They take good care of her, but she suffers a placental abruption and is sent rushed off to surgery. Everyone waits at Nanata's house in distress. Eventually, they make a blanket in silence, working together as they wait. The baby boy is born, and Sister Julianne and Jenny arrive at the hospital, covering Chummy with the blanket they've made and placing the baby next to her as she wakes. In the kitchen of the clinic, Sheila arrives and meets Dr. Turner, who gives her a ring with Timothy's question. She says yes, he kisses her hand. In the last scene, both Dolly's baby and Chummy's baby are baptized. Chummy calls her baby boy Fred. A notice of demolition is placed on the front door of, De- of Nada's house, and Jenny rides off for a date with Alec. So all the uh, anxiety, Chummy's anxiety about family and proximity mm-hmm. play out here at the end Absolutely. where, I mean, the moment, the line of dialogue that really uh, makes it explicit is... Uh, Cynthia says your family doesn't know when Chummy is in danger Uh, and Jenny says 
her family knows her family's right here. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. And it's made more compelling because we just saw Mm -hmm. a parent is proximity, a family is proximity, and she was so anxious that she didn't have support and she didn't have family and she didn't have people to help and teach and support her. And then, yes, she does. Mm -hmm. Because a parent is proximity. Because a family is proximity. Uh, and the... the uh, Yeah, it's a beautiful moment. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful image. We've had something we haven't talked about. Because it's like a little... Thread through the whole episode that pays off here. And only really matters, I think, here. Mm. But through the whole episode, Sister Monica Joan has been knitting blanket squares very slowly because they want to give her something to do it's it's this like thing that we talk about with sister uh, monica joan all the time they're like she wants to be helpful and her desire to be helpful makes her a nuisance Mm -hmm. it's the opposite of neutral so and i don't know if i've ever seen a stronger representation of that than they give her blanket squares to knit to to keep her busy so she doesn't answer the phone uh, but she can't knit them fast enough so there won't be a blanket so she'll feel useless so the rest of them have to knit the blanket squares for her so that she will feel useful having made a blanket yep exactly uh, it's fantastic it's beautiful it's so it's so good and the idea of the blanket square is the sister of Angelina and she says some deserving person will get a blanket at the end mm-hmm. of it and then we see when Chummy is in hospital, them all working on the blanket squares and putting it together. And then they, Jenny and sister Julianne lay the blanket over Chummy. And it's mm-hmm. like this, again, like it's not a subtle metaphor. <laughs> yeah. But it's this metaphor of them. They have all come together to create this thing that they are wrapping around her. Mm-hmm. Blanket it's, of love. <laughs> it's like a visualization of their love and support Mm -hmm. that they literally lay over her Mm -hmm. what i love about that scene is not only them making the blanket but she talks about they made it in silence yes because it's the time of the great silence but they also want to be silent they don't know what to say to each other they don't know how to you know they all know what's happening these are all nurses and midwives who know what is going on with Chummy and they know how dangerous it is. And so they don't want to talk about it. They want to do something. And so they work together to make this blanket. And I feel like initially the plan for this blanket was like a baby blanket. It was going to be small. And they have, they just knit through the night. They assemble it. And when they put it over Chummy, it's it's huge. It's mm-hmm. a great big blanket to cover big Chummy. Chummy is this... <laughs> Like, yeah. big person. It's a whole thing with her that she's, you know, tall. And so they, you know, they come to... They, it takes them to coming together to make a blanket big enough to cover Chummy. And and that silence is like... It's holy. It's a holy silence time. You have Sister Evangelina mentioning it in the first act. And it paying off now of... Yeah. This is holy silence. And Jenny says a lot of people don't understand holy silence. Mm-hmm. The idea of holy silence is perplexing. Yeah. But here's what holy silence is. Yeah, exactly. And then they cover her in the blanket of their prayers. Mm-hmm. And then it also is like Sister Monica Jones' work was worthwhile. Yeah, exactly. It really was. Like, that blanket would not have existed without Sister Monica Joan. Mm-hmm. So even though her desire to be helpful is a nuisance, we end the episode with, like, her work is is valuable. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. To back up just a little bit... Um... I really love the beginning of Chummy's labor when all of the nurses are like they're doing the yeah. the they have to do the enema <laughs> high hot and hell of a lot and uh, that's actually something that I heard from my mom back when I had a baby she talked about like oh man when I had a baby they'd do the the 
Anima, high, hot, and hell of a lot. And that's something that like I'd heard <laughs> that phrase. That phrase. My mom is a nurse, and so that phrase of high, hot, and hell of a lot is totally a nursing phrase. It's not just called the midwife. <laughs> that is an absolute thing, and uh, and so it's really funny to hear it in this and like. They don't want it. Like Trixie's we, like, I don't want to give my give friend an enema. An enema. She's our friend. And sister eventually is. If you don't, I will. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, it's better so, from like, anyone who is sister like, Angelina for some reason. She's in distress. It's like this moment of humor that, like, that Chummy, who's been their friend, is now their patient, and they have to deal with her in this way. But then, because she's their friend and not their patient, then when things go sour. Yeah, when things go badly. They get the profession. They get like they get Sister Julianne, and Sister Evangelina to come in and deal with it, and Sister Evangelina, you know, snaps at Cynthia. You know, get the uh, pethidin, and Sister uh, um, Cynthia is freezing up because this is her friend. Yeah, because they're so, treating her and thinking of her as like it's funny that we're treating her like a patient. They're not in professional mode. Exactly. And then suddenly they have to snap into professional mode. And it's not until she's being loaded into the ambulance that Sister Evangelina allows herself to have that moment of like, you hold her hand to Peter yeah. and like, and kind of goes into, this is my friend who just got into this ambulance. Yeah. And poor Peter throughout this is alone. Yeah. And this is really something you see in this show that is upsetting is men are alone and women are together Hmm. is that you have poor Peter in this hospital hallway, just completely by himself. And then you have this company of women who are coming together and making this beautiful project. And it's a hard thing about like, I feel like that time in history or, something that's isolating for men mm-hmm. and it still happens today there is that as well and it's a thing that i say in a different context that like communities are defined by boundaries mm-hmm. and you only have a group by having people who aren't in the group mm. you true. can't have everyone in the world mm-hmm praying and working for chummy so you draw a line Mm -hmm. and that peter's on the other side of that line yeah is is hard yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good point But she's okay. But she's okay. And the baby's and okay. She, can we like? And that's really good. Can we talk about her naming her son Fred? Yes. It's like <laughs> wonderful. I love it. I love it too. Little Freddy. I love the names <sighs> of Fred. And that, yes, of course she does. She's... It's beautiful. I love, love. Yeah. Names him Fred. She names him Fred. And Dolly names her daughter Samantha, a modern name which does not <laughs> yeah, get approval. Which... <laughs> a remarkably modern name or whatever she says. Yeah, exactly. I think that's really funny. It's not just... And that makes me wonder, I don't even know, like, Antony, because it's not Fred, but is Antony a, like, modern sounding name in the... I don't know. 40s, 50s? I don't think so. Antony Cleopatra is pretty ancient. Yeah, I, I mean, like... <laughs> So, no. Yeah. But Samantha is a modern name. And like, Well, it's also really funny that she names her son, that Chummy names him Fred, when, like, how many episodes ago was it that Trixie was saying, no one names their baby Fred anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that they want to name the abandoned baby Fred, or Fred hints that they should name the abandoned baby Fred. And... Like, nobody names their Nobody names their baby Fred, Fred anymore. anymore. Well, like, Chummy did. Chummy did. It's so it's so touching, and I it love is it. So I love it, and the yeah, it's such an, a beautiful end to the episode, mm-hmm. and then about like because again, what makes a parent is proximity, uh, 
Dolly doesn't live close to Fred, but Chummy mm-hmm. does. Exactly. And not that, like, Chummy is replacing his daughter, but, like... No. They have a very... That kind of relationship, though. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Sister Bernadette? Yes. As we have or mentioned Sheila. before... <laughs> I mean... The Kitchen of Destiny. The place where they... Where she repaired his button. Where they've had conversations. Where he kissed her hand. And here he is. He gives her... A ring wrapped up in a little package that says, will you marry my dad? (laughs) (laughs) It's very cute. It's also like, you pawn it off. How could she say no now? I know, exactly. (laughs) I mean, she was going to say yes, but... (laughs) And then he kisses kisses her hand again, and she doesn't pull away this time. Also, I really hope that they actually kiss a little more than that, but (laughs) that's not the kind of show. (laughs) Behind closed doors, yes, privately. Privately, uh, it is it is so great. I really like "Will You Marry My Dad," and mm-hmm. it's such a like, wow, like, wow. This is it's has been a slow burn, but also is like super quick. Well, I don't think we mentioned that earlier. She says like, "I barely know you, but I couldn't be more certain." Yeah. That. They have known each other a long time. They haven't known each other intimately, but they're both certain that this is what they want. Yeah. All right. That's. And we end the whole episode with the place is condemned to be demolished, but the spirit is unshaken. Mm -hmm. And And Jenny riding off kind of into the sunset with Alec. That, like, although we started with uncertain foundations and we start with, like, you can't escape the future and the future is scary and unknown and... Mm -hmm. But also, the place can be demolished. The spirit is unshaken. Mm -hmm. Your family is in Madeira, but your family is here. Mm -hmm. And... There's like the optimism mm-hmm. of the end of the episode. You, Sister Bernadette is dead, but Sheila is alive. Yeah. And something new comes from the end. Yes, exactly. So, what is your favorite part of this episode? Oh, mercy. <laughs> There's so many good My words. favorite part of the episode. I'm going to steal what I bet is what you're going to say is your favorite part of the episode. But my favorite part of the episode is Dr. Turner coming out of the fog and seeing Sheila coming out of the fog. And everything from, like, I finished and you owe me half a crown. All the way to, like, my name is Sheila. My name is Patrick. Well, we've made a start. That whole section. Yeah. I love it. Yep. Uh, that is also my favorite moment, especially, yeah, driving, seeing her in the fog, and the first thing he does is place his hand on her forehead yeah. to, like, test her temperature because he's also a doctor as well as completely <laughs> in love with her. Uh, but I guess if I were to pick a second part, I would say uh, the blanket being put over Chummy, that specific moment of, like, covering her with the blanket is very emotional very moving very a culmination of a lot of yeah. like this is a this is a the season two finale and so mm-hmm. it feels there's a lot of moments that are kind of like the sheila and dr turner getting together and then chummy having the baby is all very like this is the end of this season, season one ended with chummy getting married and season mm-hmm. two ends with chummy having a baby yep Yep. They're like, so many high points in this episode that I would uh, pick if I had to pick a second one, though. And let Mm -hmm. me just quickly shout out to Trixie's face mask and Sister Evangelina (laughs) yelling at Peter for leaving the toilet seat up. Yep. (laughs) And the suitcase moment. And like, both funny and uh, moving. There are other Mm -hmm. real very memorable and strong moments of this episode that are so good yes absolutely all right well if you have thoughts you'd like to share with us uh you can contact us in a few different ways one is on our twitter account which is at poplar opinion 
You can also email us, poplar at clockworksacademy.com. Our website is clockworksacademy.com slash poplar. And you, if you enjoy what we do, if you would like to uh, spread the word about our podcast, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can tell your friends. Word of mouth is a great way to help us out. And you can uh, support us even a little bit financially on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash clockworkscast. So thanks for listening. I've been Paul Moffat. I've been Jan Moffat. And that's just my popular opinion. Mm-hmm.